We are back at it. Hashtag let's work. I'm Carson Cunningham, back from Stillwater with a belly full of cheese fries. Joined as always by Kyle Porter. Kyle, OSU season's over. It was a fun ride, but uh, they they lost in the NIT. Just uh, it was a fun fun ride while it lasted, wasn't it? It kind of was. You know, I I, I wrote an article uh, this morning. What day is it? Thursday morning about how it was kind of fun just to enjoy the basketball without worrying about RPI and just all the other, all the other nonsense that kind of went with it over the last month or so of the season. And just to enjoy uh, what seemed like, I mean, at times it was bad basketball cause it's, it's college, but there were moments where it was like, man, this is, this is some pretty good hoops, you know, against, especially the last two games against Western Kentucky and uh, and Stanford, Oklahoma State looked really good at times. And Western Kentucky is just—I mean, just got all Americans all over the floor, which I know we're going to talk about. But uh, I don't know. I kind of enjoyed the the three game postseason. No, it was it was fun. Like I went to the Stanford game for work, and uh, I kind of finagled some seats uh, right behind the OSU bench, like four rows behind the bench. It was like the best seats I've ever had at Gallagher, and. Stanford looked like the Monstars. They were so freaking huge. <laughs> uh, that was a lot of fun. They, oh, she didn't play well, but they were, for, they were they were really fortunate to win that game. And then I, I went to the game last night with my dad. Uh, we scored some pretty good tickets and uh, did the whole Eskimo Joe's thing. My man Tim Holland, the GM there, took care of us. Uh, it was a great time. I mean, Gallagher was about as full as you could possibly expect this day and age in 2018. It was almost capacity and it and it was so cool like obviously we'll talk about the game in a second but just it was exactly Kyle how it was when you and I were in college like the Mm -hmm. crowd was totally engaged could sense those moments when OSU needed to stop and everyone got to their feet there was even a point where everyone just that there was a timeout this was like late in the late in the game fourth quarter there was a timeout and everyone sat down obviously right away and then everyone just like started standing up and clapping just people didn't want to sit down anymore they wanted to go nuts it was it was really cool everyone just clapped throughout the entire time out so it was just it was really cool for people who maybe haven't seen Gallagher like that to get to experience it doesn't get like that very often but it still does you know for the big games and uh, obviously did for last night well how did you feel about the whole NIT thing because I kind of went back and forth on it I, I mentioned this but there hasn't really been I mean, all the NIT runs that Oklahoma State have has had have been like one game and out, or maybe maybe two games, but you're on the road. Like th- this, this felt like kind of a unique thing. Were you you were kind of into it? I feel like, and I sort of was, but then I'm also like, well, it's the NIT. I, I don't know. I didn't. I guess I didn't totally know how to feel about it. Well, the NIT is always based on your expectations and, and just yeah. how your seasons played yeah. out. Like for instance, if Oklahoma had made the NIT, Trey Young probably would have sat out and like Lon Kruger may have declined it the way his season ended. And <laughs> I'm, I'm being, being serious. Like certain teams, it's worth it for them to just decline it and move on to the next season. But a team like Oklahoma state, and especially this is where I, oh, I think the NIT was so important for, for OSU this year. Mike Boynton needs support. I mean, he, the, the way Brad Underwood left, left such a sour taste in everyone's mouth. Everyone knows that Mike Boyden's done everything he can to to get the crowd back. But having those extra games in Gallagher, getting a full attendance, like beyond wins and losses right now, Mike Boynton just needs OSU basketball fans to be behind him. And I think the NIT was a great showcase for, for, for him to do that. And, and obviously it's worked. I mean, for 11,000 people to go to an NIT game shows you that he now has the full support of OSU basketball fans. Let's be honest, OSU basketball fans have had nothing to support for about a decade. People want to rail on attendance. Who's going to watch Travis Ford coach? Nobody. And it took Underwood six months to get the place full, and now Mike Boynton does. So I think, do the, do the NIT games matter a whole bunch? No, but for a program like OSU that's been dead for a decade, it, it mattered a whole bunch. And I thought... Uh, Boynton really capitalized on that opportunity. Yeah, that 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 was sort of my point in my piece is that for this team, it's not like we're gonna look back on this team in ten years, you know, like we did with Ivan McFarlane on this podcast and be like, man, remember that eight, 2018 team? 
couldn't get enough of that squad. But I, I do think that sort of the triumvirate of importance in college basketball is your relationship between your fans, your arena, and your coaches, because those are the things that those are the entities that are around, you know, player, players come and go. And, and sometimes, as we saw last year, coaches do as well. But that that sort of, um, you know, the players reflect the program, but it's sort of those three things that, that build it up. And I think that, you know, I, and, and I probably would have said this about Brad Underwood, like the, the hour after Oklahoma State lost to Michigan last year. And so take this for whatever it's worth. But I think that relationship between the fans, the coach, the coaching staff, and the building is is pretty strong for having had three coaches in three years. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I absolutely do. I mean, I don't know how many fan bases would have 11,000 this year after what OSU basketball has gone through with the 10 year deal with Ford, where he was a lame duck for literally two full seasons to Underwood, literally pulling the rug out from under the fans after they just fallen in love with the guy. So I, Again, I think OSU basketball fans are smart. I think they they know what to buy into, and I think they're buying into what Mike Boynton's selling. He's selling, he's really selling the brand to OSU. Like he's selling OSU basketball to OSU fans. He, he's playing a style that OSU fans love. You know, hard work, defense, all that good stuff. So he's he's catering to what OSU fans want, and you're seeing the results. So I think. Um, Again, I'll, I'll get to more of that later on my toast, but I, I just I can't commend Mike Boynton enough. Not only just for being a good coach, like I, no one knew what kind of coach he'd be. I, I think he's proven he can coach his his tail off. Some of the adjustments he made in the Stanford game, and you really you've seen all year. But just the style in which he's playing, I think, just plays so well to OSU fans, and he talks that up a lot too. What do you think about the uh, NIT rules? I didn't really notice them, honestly. Once I was there, other, other than the quarters, uh, which is you always look at the clock and there's like five minutes. Like, wait a second, there's five minutes left and a half? And then you realize, oh, yeah, we're playing quarters. Uh, but I never really noticed the difference between the three-point line and the lane. I'm sure it made a difference. I'm sure it made the lane much more drivable. It certainly looked drivable for Western Kentucky. But uh, I didn't honestly didn't notice them. Did you? No, I, uh, the quarters was the only thing. I kind of liked it. I liked the quarters. It it. It gives you a better sense of it just breaks up the game better and it gives you a better sense of um, kind of runs and rhythms and stuff. It's just it's easier to maybe I'm just being selfish and talking about how it's easier to write about. But I, I just felt like it kind of broke up the game better. Well, I've covered the NBA for almost 10 years and, and it's, I, it's twofold. Like when I'm just there watching the game, I wish it was halves because it's it almost seems more disjointed, more timeouts. But when I'm covering a game, the box score is so much cleaner. And, and it, it reminds me so much more of the NBA box scores where you can really look at it and see where the game turned just based on the box score. That's the only thing I really like about the quarters. But uh, I didn't hate it. I think I'm all for making the lane wider and making the three-point line longer because the three-point line's really close in college. So Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, do you want to talk about Western Kentucky's uh, team that could probably beat the Charlotte Hornets? <laughs> They've got some dudes, man. Um, <laughs> I had no idea Hollingsworth was a freshman, by the way, but he he dropped thirty. He was freak. awesome. But the be- the be- the Bearden kid was good too, man. They could not stay in front of either of those two guys. Um, yeah, Western Kentucky's good. I guess they they beat Purdue this year. Did you know that? I am not surprised. Purdue's a two seat. And might go to the Final Four, and they beat Purdue, and they lost what? to Villanova by like eight. And Kyle Boone said that they actually had a freshman coming in. I think it was this. Uh, it might have been last year. Who was a five star? And he, Oklahoma State, I think was recruiting him. He ended up going to Western Kentucky, and then he left campus before he ever played. But can you imagine them with another five star? Well, and yeah, that's frightening. I guess Stansbury, their coach, can get, can really recruit. Um, he recruited a lot of the A and M guys, according to Gottlieb, but. Uh, Hollingsworth was Mr. Kentucky basketball. He's, he's, from, he's, a, he's, a he's from Lexington. What What is Calipari doing? He's from Lexington. I, I don't know. He's unbelievable. I know Calipari gets whoever he wants, but my gosh. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, they were just so good. at. And what's crazy, I thought – I went back after the game and read this on your site. The, uh, when the, the questionnaire to the guy who covers Western Kentucky, I guess they're like – 
last in the country in three-pointers made, and you saw why. They, they just get to the rim at will. It was a layup line for them. Uh, their longest drought, Kyle, how long do you think their longest scoring drought was time-wise? Oh, two minutes? Good guess. A minute 50. Wow. <laughs> and they, they averaged uh, 1.24 points per possession. Just utter dominance on the offensive end. OSU's defense had no answers. Because uh, they, they got to the rim at will, and then the, the few times they didn't, Hollingsworth would just hit a three. So they I, I could not, like, for me, the loss was easy to process if you're an OSU fan because you just got beat by a better team. It was pretty simple. Is it bad that West, or, uh, Western Kentucky is just a better team? Yeah, I mean, I think it's obvious <laughs> that Mike, Mike Boynton needs to go get some Beardens and some Hollingsworths. Now, can he get those? I don't know. We're going to find out. But I think... Uh, the guard play, you know, leaves a lot to be desired. I think Kendall Smith, I didn't think he had a very good game at all. I thought he was pretty bad. And at one point, Boynton benched him for a long stretch for Averett, who Averett actually played pretty well. And I thought really kept OSU alive in the first half, or else they would have been blown out. Yeah. He, he really played above his head. And Averett had been killing him all year every time he'd come on the floor. But he, he really played well. But uh, I think it's obvious they need to. Uh, Improve the guard play. I thought, I thought Lindy didn't have a very good game, but there, there's there's levels to this game, and, and Bearden and Hollingsworth were on a much different level guard-wise than OSU. Yeah, and then the, the 22 kid, the 22, their post player was a beast. They're, that's a really good team. Yeah. Their, their leading scorer and rebounder is the number 23, the Johnson kid, and he barely, he barely did anything. They didn't even need him hardly. Yeah. Well, the the are you talking about the, uh, was it Colby, that guy? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, apparently he was a former uh, KU commit, or he was there for a little while, or something. <laughs> he so. looked like uh, he reminded me of uh, oh, who was the Baylor guy that just dunked on everybody? AC Law? No, no, no that's that's A and M. He was a point guard. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, he has Quincy AC. That's where I got the AC from. There Quincy AC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not that dumb. Just, <laughs> the AC got me. AC Law. That's a that's a throwback. That's, a, uh, that's one of the best Big 12 players ever. Yeah, man, he was awesome. Who, who was the guy that they had from – the big guy that they had at the time? He was from uh, – Yeah, he was from Norman G, Texas. I don't remember. Uh, they were so good. That team – those teams were good. Anyway, uh, great radio, right? Uh, I'd, I Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really wanted – Obviously, Oklahoma State to get to to New York. I thought that would have been just kind of cool for the program and for more so, honestly more so for Boynton than anything. Um, but I I think it says something about the state of your talent when it's clear that Western Kentucky is is just better than you, you know, and. and 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 it might say something about just sort of the level that Oklahoma State played at this year that they were even in the conversation to get in the tournament and the and the job that Boynton did because it I mean yeah it goes back to like you need some guys you need some, like it, it's it's crazy that like I would trade how many how many like who would you not trade for Hollingsworth on Oklahoma State's team next year is there anybody um. Like current team or team that's on next year? Next next year. So like not Carol oh, and no. Kendall Smith. Yeah, no, nobody. I would I would trade I think everybody. No, yeah, I mean I, I wouldn't trade I mean if I was Western Kentucky, I wouldn't trade Hollingsworth for anybody on OSU's team. No. and and maybe Or not Bearden. Bearden. Yeah, I know. Bearden's good. <laughs> He is a total clown, though. I don't know if it showed, did it show up on TV how big of a clown he is. No, not no, not really. I don't, I don't know what what, was, did he, what did he do? Well, from literally like the first minute, I noticed this. He was in like Lind like during a free throw, like one of those early chippy fouls on on uh, Carol or like ticky tack fouls on Carol, where <clears throat> Carol was at the free throw line. Bearden was in Lindy Waters' face, talking smack, and like the ref had to come over and like gave him the cut it out hand gesture and he kept doing it and then like every time he get the ball he would like dribble it like backwards through his legs and stare at the OSU bench uh he was he was a he would do, shoot the free throws where western Kentucky was not down there on the paint he would like fake high five people that weren't there he was just clowning the whole game but he was so good he just drove right by OSU every chance he got he was awesome 
But um, but no, I again, I think you're right, Kyle. I think I think Boynton pretty much got all he could out of this team. I think they were honestly very fortunate to beat Stanford. I mean, yeah, they had that really good fourth quarter, but they were dominated for a large stretch of that game. So I think that's kind of my bigger takeaway too is that I think Boynton had this team playing above their heads. And if you listen to them talk, Kyle, I think Boynton kind of really got this team to believe in themselves. You know, Boynton always would say, you know, we can play with any team in the country and you kind of just kind of roll your eyes and okay, yeah, sure dude. But then you hear the players talk and they say the same thing and they played like it. They played like that against Kansas. Like to where you, you watch them beat Kansas twice. Like, wow, they really could beat anybody in the country. So he really got them to buy in, got them to believe in themselves and play a play really honestly above their talent level. Uh, you said you uh, have a toast ready. I do. Okay, let's get to this. Uh, let's get to this week's Coop Ale Works Toast of the Week. Coop Ale Works bring great tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the Bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. For your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy a cold Coop Ale Works, and please remember to drink responsibly. It's fitting, Carson, that I mentioned the F5 the DNR and the horny toad blonde, because all three of those are still in our, uh, in our bracketology. Nice. Yeah. Have you, have Is you el- seen... elevator still alive? Yeah. So do you, have you seen the matchups for, um, for round two? I have not. I okay, voted in round one. Yeah. Let's go through the matchups here. We got, uh, our first matchup, which people are voting on today. We got number one seed, uh, F5 against number nine C- seed Oktoberfest. Ooh. Um, okay. You want me we to vote right now? Well, no, you don't have to vote. But uh, number four, Native Amber against number five. These are seeds. Number five seed, Horny Toad Blonde. I think I think Horny Toad's going to win that one. Yeah. Uh, number three, Tyron Siren against number six, Elevator Wheat. Don't do this to me. I know. That's, a ho- that's like... A dad watching his two sons play against each other. <laughs> Who do you root for? And then our last one is uh, number two seed, a sneaky number two seed, Alpha Hive against number seven DNR. I think DNR might be in for the uh, the upset there. Yeah, Alpha Hive kind of took off in the Slack chat the other day. I haven't had it. It must be like the. Uh, Ken Palm's favorite, you know, like the analytics yeah. are off the chart, but no one really yeah. knows about it yet. Yeah, that's right. That could be a sneaky, dangerous two seed. Although well, there are we, two seeds, I guess they're not really sneaky. But we we went by uh, Jacob Overton, our our intern, put this together, and and he went by uh, just what Coop reported as their best sellers. So apparently, Alpha Hive is is the number two seller hmm. behind F five IPA. People love IPA apparently, because isn't Alpha Hive an IPA? Uh, yeah, I think it's a double IPA actually. People love so, IPA. It's my anyway, thing, but um, your toast for this week. Yeah, um, I'm gonna toast every beer in the bracket. I'm gonna walk down. I'm walking down the campus at Stillwater. I'm going to the offices uh, for the Board of Regents. They're all still sitting at that table. I'm gonna hand out a Alpha Hive to Mike Holder. A Saturday siren to Region X, Y, and Z. Uh, every I'm bringing all the flavors to that Board of Regents meeting and going to say, guys, I apologize. You made a great hire. I don't know what Mike Boynton said in this room. I don't know how he convinced you at 36 years old, never, having never been a head coach, he was ready to take on the job at OSU after Brad Underwood left in the middle of the night. Uh, oh, you guys, an apology. I questioned it. thought it was a horrible decision. thought it was... Lacked foresight, thought it lacked diligence. Uh, I was very critical of the hire, but uh, you guys deserve a toast. You guys saw something, Mike Holder, you especially. You saw something in Mike Boynton that no one else did. I was at the game against Stanford, and I saw Mike Holder sitting across the way, across the court, surrounded by 9,600 people on a Monday 6 p.m. tip, and thought, he must be feeling pretty good about that hire he made. <laughs> So I want to toast the Board of Regents and Mike Holder for uh, making a hire that had really has panned out pretty well. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's hard because I still sort of disagree with the way that it all happened, the, like sort of, sort of the parameters that they used and everything, but it has worked out. And so I, I, 
I feel a little bit conflicted about about the whole thing. Um, but I think well, the bottom the the bottom line for me is is this. My point is the coach, whether I agreed with the way that it happened or not, and I'm excited about him. Like he and and I I wrote about this on on Thursday. I just he he's the type of person and tell me if you agree or disagree with this. Cause I might be just kind of in my own head. He's the type of person that seems like he loves basketball. We're, we, we are around these people, right? Like we see who is doing their job uh, for money and for prestige and for fame and for power. And then we, and, and, and everybody does that in, on some level. Like you just, that's just human nature. But there are people who are obsessed with the things that they're doing. There are people who are obsessed with, um, you know, the ins and outs of football. There are people that are obsessed with basketball recruiting. Mike Boyden said that very thing on this podcast. And he seems like somebody who is just sort of innately obsessed with basketball. He just loves basketball. I don't think that's true of Travis Ford. I don't know if that's true of Brad Underwood, but I do believe it to be true of Mike Boynton. And I, th- I think that matters like that part of a, uh, this is sort of like, uh, when we talk about Bill Simmons, right? Like a lot of people don't like Bill Simmons, but I always go back to the fact that he is obsessed with watching basketball in a, in a way that I'm unfamiliar with. And I think that makes him on a lot of levels better at his job than, than most people. And, mm-hmm. and I, and I see that in Mike Boynton. Do you agree with that? No, I I do, and I think you're right about Travis Ford. You know, Travis Ford was a famous uh, basketball player at Kentucky. Um, I think a guy like him, it's like, well, what am I doing next? With well, I'm just gonna I'm gonna be a coach and be out in the forefront. And he knows basketball, but it's I don't know. It's, it does seem different with Boynton and, and Ford, just the way they talk, the way they go about their business. You know, Boynton's had to start from literally the bottom. I mean, of the co- you know Travis Ford. <laughs> His first job was like as a head coach, I think, at Eastern Kentucky. Or whatever. That, that's how famous he was. Eastern Kentucky was like, oh, yeah, we'll hire Travis Ford. And boom, he's a head coach. Whereas Boynton's had to grind and move a lot and be you know, the, the last assistant on the bench. And nobody knew who he was when he got hired. So I, I do agree with that. Um, so, yeah, I, I totally agree. I don't know where I was going with that. I don't, I don't know what made me think of that. Um, but, are, we oh. still on the, are we still on my toast? Yeah, well, we were on your toast, and I was just... Oh, I, was just... I, I, I had something to say before I forget. Um, okay. I was driving home from the game last night, and there was the, uh, you know, the post-game radio show with Holcomb and, and Hunziker, and it, it just it brings me down memory lane every time I go to a game in Stillwater because the, the post-game radio show is like the exact time it takes to drive back to my parents' house in Edmond. Like, we were pulling in the driveway, and they were wrapping up. It's like perfect timing. Mm. And it reminded me of all those days of listening to Eddie on the way home. But anyway, yeah. uh, Kendall Smith was being interviewed... And he was asked about Mike Boynton. And then this is not the first time I've heard this from one of the players. He said he has a chance to be the best to ever do it. And he's a lottery pick. He has every tool you could possibly want as a coach. I think he is going to win huge. Wow. Now, again, that's it's a guy who just played for him for a year, brought him there for a year, and, he, and Mike Boynton's convinced them that, that they're the 92 dream team. But, <laughs> uh, but to call the guy a lottery pick and the chance to be the best to ever do it. That's a guy who's played for three coaches in three years. I doubt he said that for the other two. So that kind of gives you some perspective on the potential uh, of Mike Boynton. We had a, we had a, a short, but uh, interesting discussion last night on Slack about, would you trade Mike Boynton right now for Brad Underwood? And uh, I, I think that it like, if you would have told me I would be asking that question a year ago at this time, I would have said that you're, you're crazy, <laughs> but I think it's a real debate and, and one that, I, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't know my answer. Like I, and, and of course we're taking all the like um, loyalty and all that stuff out of it. I'm, I'm just talking about as a basketball coach, because I think, I think the dangerous part about this is like to, to sort of frame Boynton is, Oh, well, he's the loyal one. Like he's, he's the Russell Westbrook to Kevin Durant. And it's like, well, guess what? Frank Martin might get the Pittsburgh job. And, and then what? Like is South Carolina going to throw like 20 mil at him? Then, then, then is he going to be loyal? You know, like this is still a business. And I think that, I think that it's incredibly important for Oklahoma state fans of all people 
to remember that. Um, but just straight up in terms of coaching and recruiting and basketball, would you trade Mike Boynton for Brad Underwood? Well, first, I, I think people now that Underwood left just think he's a terrible coach and they, they yeah. make yeah. fun of his deal at Illinois. Which is kind people, of fun to people, do. Yeah, people forget how in they were on him. I'll never oh, yeah. forget being at the Bedlam game in Norman when he walked over to the half-empty OU, OU <laughs> student section and said, you look lonely over here. What's going on? Where's all your fans? <laughs> like at that point I was like this guy is never going to lose to OU. This guy is going to win the Big 12. This guy is awesome. And uh that run they went on with Jawan Evans, but I think you look at Underwood now without Jawan Evans, how well is he going to recruit? I think that is the biggest question between Underwood and, and Boynton. Who is going to be the better recruiter? And a lot of that is determined by your assistants. I know all that, but that to me is the X factor. Uh because I don't think there's that great of a gap in coaching after what I've seen this year. I think Boynton has really impressed me with his coaching and the adjustments he makes, uh, everything about him. I, that's the one thing I didn't know about him. And that's the one thing I think, I don't even think Mike Holder and the Regents had any idea how good of a coach he was. I think they were yeah. hiring, a, they were hiring the man himself and thought the rest would fall into place. And, and Brian Keating said, you know, Holder does that a lot. I think he does that with a lot of his coaches. He hires the person and figures, you know, that they've been in the game long enough. They know how to coach. So, which is so I, I don't think I would I mean I don't I don't know about trading Underwood or Boynton or whatever but I think it's going to be fascinating to see and we're going to see it starting next month who's getting Courtney Ramey is it going to be Brad yeah. Underwood or is it going to be Mike Boynton I think the recruiting for me is what will determine that trade yeah uh man I'm I feel I feel uh, we've talked about this you and I are in our getting into our mid thirties like we're we're sort of past our recruiting uh obsession days but i'm kind of into basketball recruiting right now i'm more into it than football gunny doesn't care <laughs> gunny's not going after big fish i'm, I'm a big fish hunter kyle I, I like big fish i don't <laughs> i don't fish for minnows like gundy yeah it's it's kind of fun kyle, i want kyle, a freaking shark named courtney ramey that's what i want kyle ben makes it makes it a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're going to need him too because or they're going to need somebody because you're losing, you're losing Carol. You're losing uh, Kendall Smith. You're losing Mitchell Solomon. I, I guess you're losing Tavaria shine. I don't know that we've <laughs> worked all that out yet. Um, that's, that's tough. I mean, Kendall Smith, we, we've talked about it a lot. Kendall Smith was such a, I mean, he was sort of to me, the X factor for this team in terms of, uh, he he was the guy on which it all kind of hinged. Like when he was great, they were they were awesome, or they could be awesome. And when he was bad, they just I mean they kind of had a they kind of had a ceiling that they hit, you know. And I don't know. I I think replacing him will be really tough. But maybe maybe you can go out and find another Kendall Smith on on the transfer market. There's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of t- maybe maybe it's uh, your dad Mike Cunningham coming from <laughs> <laughs> where where is he transferring from? USC U- USC upstate. I don't even know what that is. I guess it's in South Carolina. But uh, oh, it's the other USC. Or yeah, the other other USC. USC upstate. I've literally never heard of it. But uh, I saw Mike Cunningham. I was like, oh, I didn't know my dad still had eligibility. <laughs> That's going to be confusing for all involved. Uh, but he's also talking to OU as well. So that'll be interesting if there's a Mike Cunningham playing at OU. <laughs> yeah, you're dad my dad's will. my dad's worst nightmare. Yeah, uh, exactly. but no. As far as Kendall Smith, he's gonna be his clutch gene is what's gonna be hard to replace. I mean, how many big shots has he hit all year? He's hit the biggest shots all season. Well, every and, big and, game. Yeah, and and he was the guy that they turned to down the stretch. I mean, it was like, hey, we're down three or we're up three with four minutes left, and you would just see him take like the next six shots. I mean, I, probably not literally, but that's yeah. what it felt like, you know, and, and he had the ball in his hands and it's going to be tough to replicate. Uh, I'm going to toast uh, Mitchell Solomon, an F5 for an Oklahoman through and through. <laughs> uh, it, it, it was cool to see him over the last, I've probably, I probably toasted him like six times this year, but I don't remember. Uh, it was cool to see him over the last few games, just real emotion over, over Stillwater, over Gallagher-Iba. I think that growing up that's what we thought all uh college athletes were like and specifically at osu we thought that college athletes loved oklahoma state the the way that we did 
Right. And then you get to college and you're like, oh, that's not true. And rarely is it true. Um, but I think he is, I think he does love Oklahoma State. And, and so, uh, I don't know, it, that that part of it was really was really cool to, to watch and to kind of experience and just to think about, you know, for him, it probably feels like it's both gone by really fast and really slow just because of how many coaches he's had and uh, just kind of the ups and downs of it. But um, an F5 to him for, for sticking with it, for having just a just a, a cool college career. You know, he'll look back on that. He He's, I presume, not going to play anywhere professionally, but he'll look back on that when – he's a dad and working a job in 10 years and be like, man, that was, that was pretty cool. That was a cool thing that I got to do. And, uh, so yeah. When, uh, when Mike Boynton's 30 and O and Gallagher Iba has 13 and a half thousand in it and they show Mitchell Solomon on the jumbotron at age 30 place going to go nuts. I mean, he's yeah. going to go down as like an Ivan McFarlane type as far as just fan favorite. And, uh, you're right. He does love OSU. I didn't realize this. His parents both, went to OSU and he has like a brother or two currently at OSU. So he's, he's an OSU guy through and through. And I didn't realize how tough the guy was. You know, the team talks like he's the Terminator. Uh, he was playing on one leg against Western Kentucky. He was really hobbled and didn't play nearly as many minutes as he normally would. Uh, but no, he was very emotional afterwards on the, I keep going back to that radio show. I listened to post game and, uh, Holcomb was interviewing him. He was very emotional talking mm-hmm. about his career and, and how it's come to an end. And he was, he asked him a question about being respected. And he was like, yeah, he goes, that's, that's one thing I'm going to be really proud about is people, you know, I don't know if they always liked me, but they all, they all, they're always going to respect me. And that means more than anything. So that, that was pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. They showed his, he, uh, he really become a good player, Kyle. Like he was, he was not very good his first couple of years under Ford, and he's yeah. really turned into an excellent college basketball player. They showed his parents during the Stanford game after he picked up that foul where he sort of – it was kind of a weird thing where he dove on the floor and Stanford guy fell over him, and it was it was kind of just a pile-up, and he got a foul called, and his mom was, was displeased. She was, <laughs> she was not happy. It was, it was fantastic. She, just she like, let him have it? Just like any of our moms uh, would have would have been, yeah. She was. Well, how about how about yelling guy sitting in the Nicholson seats? <laughs> He's upgraded now. We can't hear him on the TV broadcast anymore. He's across the floor. So disappointed. That's uh, that's great. Uh, okay, we need to talk uh, uniforms. Let's get to this week's uniform review. Brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. I want you. Carson, to give me an overall grade uh, for Oklahoma State uniforms for the 2017-18 season. We've been through, what, 36 games, and uh, we've seen a lot of different combos, a lot of different unis. What what was your grade overall? I give them a solid A because they totally revamped the uniforms, which was about 10 years overdue. Thank goodness they finally got rid of those stupid alarm clock font numbers. Uh, but more than anything, Kyle, like, how can I not give them an A plus though for the Curse of Cowboys? Like, not only did they bring the Curse of Cowboys back, they brought back the shorts, the iconic shorts that you and I had growing up. Yeah, I got to give them an A plus just just for the Curse of Cowboys alone. I, I really like the new the new ones as well. I love the Cowboys across the front in their new football font. Uh, the only gripe I would have would be the Pistol Pete on the shorts, but that's a very minor gripe. So I, I'll give him an A+. Plus. What about you? Yeah, you're, you're kind of talking me up here. I think I'm going to go – I think I'm going to go A. You know, I, I, don't, I don't love the Paisley thing down the side. I don't, nah. love, I don't love the Pete, but I do – I love – I've probably mentioned this a hundred times, but I love the fact that the, the football and basketball font matches – like that's such a silly, dumb thing to care about, but I think it's awesome. And yeah, I think they have really good uniforms. And the Curse of Cowboys just—I mean, the Curse of Cowboys is worth like a letter grade or a half a letter grade or or something. Um, oh, so well, can they can they can they wear that every home game? Is that too much to ask? <laughs> yeah, I'll go. I'll go A. If they didn't have Curse of Cowboys, I'd probably go B or B plus. 
Yeah, I agree. That's that's a good grade. Um, I'm gonna petition that they change the gray numbers. Other than that, I'm I'm happy. Mm, yeah, change them to white or orange. Yeah, orange will be pretty good. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, well, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit, and then we will come back and wrap this show up. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, uh, last thoughts on the NIT, the basketball season. I know we need to talk a little bit of golf here at the end, uh, but just what was uh, kind of your takeaway from, from this week from basketball ending? Oh, just, uh, again, the the support that, that Mike Boynton has built has been uh, nothing short of shocking just in, in a, in a one-year span. To think, think how low the fan base was when Brad Underwood, you, you saw that tweet from Jeff Goodman that Brad Underwood's agreed to be the new coach at Illinois on that random Saturday. Uh, just to think where this program's at now with, you know, I got to think season ticket sales will be through the roof for next year, at least much improved. You know, I thought it was going to be crickets all year at Gallagher, this year with Mike Boynton being hired. But uh, uh, my biggest takeaway is they have, they have a coach who can flat out coach. And to me, that's the most important thing. One, Two, he he fit he fit, seems to fit in. He seems to have bought into the OSU identity. He talks up the program. He talks up how good it can be, and the players seem to love him. So it, it seems like he is the total package. Now we're we're gonna have to see. I, I I still, you know, we were ready to build a monument for Travis Force because he went to the tournament, and won a game, and nearly yeah. nearly beat a nearly beat a one seed his first year, and then we found out the next couple of years. Well, he wasn't that great of a coach, and really couldn't build a roster. He could, he could sign a top recruit, but he couldn't build a roster. So we're going to have to see if Boynton can recruit, build a roster, and kind of build a team in his in his own image because he kind of was playing with someone else's players. So that's kind yeah. of my takeaway. That Travis Ford tournament victory is the only one Oklahoma State's had in the last 13 years, by the way. Oh, man. If somebody would have bet you after Salim Stoudemire hit the shot in the Sweet 16 in 05 that Oklahoma State would only win one tournament game, uh, by the time uh, 2018 rolled around and 2019, I guess now, what would yeah. you have said? I well, let me just go back in time to college, uh, 2004. OSU's in the Final Four, and they have maybe the best recruiting class ever assembled. I mean, one of the best. They had like four top 40 guys. I was like LeBron James in Miami, going not one, not two, not three. <laughs> Not four, not five, six national titles coming up for Sean Sutton. That's what I was thinking. Uh, so the fact it's been 13 years since they've even won a game in the tournament, it just speaks to the level of just how how, how incompetent uh, Holder and Ford were together. So but I you're gonna, just turned it around. I bet you are going to say six five-star recruits. I was, I was, I'm talking banners. <laughs> I was thinking nat- natties is what I was counting up. With with Keith Brumbaugh and Gerald Green just dunking on everybody. Yeah, I'm looking up that class, or I'm trying to look it up right now. Uh, I looked it up the other day. They had, you know, Eton, Roderick Flemings. Um, that was oh, Brum, Brumbaugh and Gerald Green, and Gerald Green was the number one overall player in the country. <laughs> that was they had like oh, four top forty guys. Yeah, so here it is. They had number one Gerald Green, number twelve nationally Keith Brumbaugh, number eighteen nationally Byron Eaton. Number thirty-four nationally, Roderick Flemings, and number seventy nationally, Kenneth Cooper. Then you guess you guess seventy-five, Terrell Harris. Seventy-five. We're still in the top one hundred. Uh, the country. This was a huge class, by the way. Yeah, because they had all, they had all those seniors on that 04 team. Yeah, and then Jamal Brown was in it. Mario Belgan was the number 15 junior college player. Yeah. Uh, Tor- Tory Johnson 
one of the great uh, lost dunkers in Oklahoma State history, and then oh, yeah. Tyler Tyler Hatch, number six sixty nationally. <laughs> I mean, that's like a Duke level class because they I I still remember it too because they had all those scholarships to offer because all those guys were seniors. They just kept getting guys. They they got Bogan on top of all that, and they're like they got Mario Bogan too. Like, like how are they gonna play all these guys? So and none of them into their career there hardly. Duke's class that year: Josh McRoberts, number two player in the country; uh, Greg Paulus, number thirteen player in the country. And then they had three guys that I don't really remember who were 43, 56, and 100. So they had five top 100 guys. Okay, yeah. So it's basically like a Duke-level class. Kansas that year finished third in recruiting. This is fun, by the way. Julian <laughs> Wright, Mario Chalmers, Brandon Rush. <laughs> yeah. Not too shabby. Uh, pros. Uh, They're all pros. And Before we get to golf, too, Kyle uh, – Boynton was asked about next year, and he sounded uber, uber, uber confident about Michael Weathers, who he brought up was the freshman of the year in the MAC and averaged 16 as a freshman, and the the kid from Indiana, I can't ever remember his name, Curtis Jones, is that his name? The two transfers that are sitting yeah. out this year, he acted yeah. like they were big time. So the cupboard might not be as bare as we're we're making it out to be. Though he sounds pretty confident those two guys are, because I guess Jones from Indiana was a top 40 player nationally. And Weathers obviously proved he could play at the D1 level, so they'll be fun to watch. That's a good point. I I, I forget about those guys when we're talking about it. I, I mean, I, it, it's hard because you don't want to get – like there's a level at which you can get too bought in. You're like, oh, Oklahoma State's going to be the team to end Kansas's Big 12 title streak. And it's like, <laughs> oh, pro- probably not. But I also – like I want to be in. Like I want to be like – I want to be more excited about Oklahoma State basketball than I am Oklahoma State football. And I look forward to the day when, when that's the case. That's how we grew up, right? I wish you wasn't any good at football. So we, we grew up on the basketball. So it'll be fun to watch. You ready totally. to talk some golf? Let's talk. I got a stat for you. All right, let's hear it. Of the last uh, 10 winners at the Masters, how many do you think have been outside the top uh, 100 in uh in putting like how how good they are on the pga tour in putting of the last how many the last 10 winners how many have been outside the top 100 in putting is that like just throughout the whole season or just at the masters top 100 Thru- throughout the whole season oh okay well i know rory hadn't won one so <laughs> he's out um i'm gonna say zero seven okay so, 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 so the myth of you have to putt at Augusta is a myth. Well, you do have to putt at Augusta, but you don't have to be a great putter in general right. to win at Augusta. Well, I'll say this. That's the Rory you've been trying to tell me exists in this world, and I hadn't seen him since 2014, and he got mm-hmm. hot. I, I do want to um, not toast Brad Faxon, but hit him over the head with a IPA. The treasonous, the treasonous anti-American Brad Faxon during a Ryder Cup season gives Rory a putting lesson. Apparently, Rory was playing a 33-inch putter, which he had won all his majors with a 34, and Faxon convinced him to go back to that and gave him a, a lesson. I guess Brad Faxon's one of the best putters ever. Yeah. Certainly one of the best putting coaches ever, and he, he gave him a little lesson, and Rory couldn't miss on the back nine. He, he made putts that he has no business making. It was absurd. So treasonous Brad Faxon is making me look worse today. <laughs> I love that when this happens, and I think we both knew it was going to happen at some point, which, by the way, I would I, I should insert the audio from last week when you said Rory is better than nobody right now. Uh, he missed and the then, cut. And then can't he, even make a cut. Yeah, I mean, that's what these guys do. They miss cuts. Justin Thomas misses a ton of cuts. I mean, for, for somebody who's as good as he is. Um, then he just, then he just burns it down. I see, see to me, like it almost would have been like what he did is not, it's not replicable. Like he's, he'll probably never have that kind of weak putting again. And so that's not the thing that I'm, that I care about. Like, I don't, I don't, whatever. Like you made a bunch of putts like that's It's just a hot streak. The thing that excited me about Rory is that on Sunday he hit every 
approach shot to like 20 feet, 15 feet, 10 feet. And that is replicable. That's, that's what he used to do and what he got away from. And so to me, that's more of a predictor of what his season could be like rather than the putting. The putting is just like, you know, you're just out of your mind for a week. I mean, he, he gained like two and a half strokes on the field with his putter every round. Yeah, that's, that, was... that's not sustainable at all or even anything close to it. No, but it was, again, it, it was like Faxon just did a Jedi mind trick on him and convinced him <laughs> he could putt. I will say I w- this too. You got you got so carried away. Let me let me just Google Rory McElroy Thespian and see what comes up first. Oh, it's Kyle Porter, CBS. <laughs> Rory McElroy is the greatest headliner in golf. Yeah. What? Yeah. He The best show in, he, he's the, the best show? show in golf. Yeah. Who's better? Uh, Eldrick Tiger Woods for okay, one. Win, win something in the last Phil, five when years. He's, when he, Phil when he's given Sharma mm. a lesson on how to take a drop. Yeah, Phil like, Phil's up there. I mean, it, I Rory, think Rory be- is an, an unbelievable golfer. He's a legend of the game already, and he's only 26 or whatever he is. But the best headliner and thespian. I don't. I think you got the the, the giddiness was flowing through your article on his win. I must say. I think it's between him and Phil in terms of the best show. I mean, it, it, who who? It's not Spieth. It's not Fowler. Like the, I mean, and by show, I don't mean talent or con, or consistency or anything like that. I mean, who is the most exciting and fun and thrilling to watch when they're when they're feeling it? Just golf shots wise, because Rory's kind of boring. Is he boring? He was fist pumping yeah. all over the back nine. It was unbelievable. Well, when you're chipping in from off the green, everyone's going to be fist pumping. I mean, come on. Like when yeah, but, uh, Justin Thomas holed out, he was fist pumping. Yeah, t- I think Thomas is kind of up there too. He's 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 exciting. When he's not kicking out innocent spectators. <laughs> yeah, FSU grads. <laughs> he he kicked you, out did, of FSU grads. Yeah, well, he said you in the in the Seminoles hat. Out, gone. Oh, I didn't. I didn't realize that. Oh, Although now, there, I, now, I, now I really hate him. <laughs> There's discrepancy over whether he meant Florida State Seminoles or Seminole, as in the golf club uh, in Florida. Uh, so. Probably an FSU fan. Let's be honest. <laughs> probably, probably lubed up on some coop. Uh, Say, so get in the bunker. I mean, I'm worried about JT <laughs> at the Ryder Cup. So, but Ryder no, Cup. I will say this, Kyle. Like that. That is the Rory that you've been trying to tell me exists. I didn't. Honestly, I didn't know if he was ever going to get back to that level. I mean, he, he was missing cuts left and right, couldn't putt, hadn't even really contended in a major in what a year, two years. Yeah, in a while. Probably two, probably two. I I will say the Masters is is in, is going to be insane. I I don't. We're what 12, 13 days away, fourteen days away from from the first balls in the air on Thursday. There, I, I'm supposed to write an article about the top ten storylines. I'm picking <laughs> from like I'm picking from like fifty. I don't even know what to write about. I mean, it, it, it's between Tiger and Phil. I mean, and and this sets up so perfectly. I think for and we talked about this yesterday via text. But for for Jordan Spieth, nobody people like don't even remember that he's playing in the Masters. No. And He's flying way under the radar, even by the odds. Yeah. I just think that, I don't know, I just think it sets up really well for him this year. Yeah, I mean, has he had a bad round yet at Augusta, other than the the infamous 16? Well, uh, no, I mean, but, but well, it was 12. But to your point, or 12. Uh, he he's finished second, first, second, and 11th in his four trips there. Yeah, I was going to pick Rose, but he kind of – I think I might be picking Spieth to win it. Yeah, you should. He's, I, I think he knows I that to, place. I think I have to stick with my Fowler pick at the beginning of the year. I don't, I don't, Oof. Feel, I don't feel good about it. <laughs> Oof. I don't like that at all. He hasn't been playing well. What is his deal on Sunday? He just blows up on Sundays. I don't He played know. the last two holes in like seven over the last two days. Yeah. At Bay Hill. I, I don't I don't know. I think he's just one of those guys that like 
if it's if he like I, I just think mentally like he's just sort so this is both beneficial and it hurts him. He just sort of mentally stays the exact same throughout all four rounds. And so if he's playing well, then that's great. But if he's not, then like like somebody like Spieth seemingly has this ability to sort of will himself towards victory at the end. Like like he understands the rhythm of a four round tournament. And I think Fowler just stays the exact same. And so like if he makes a bunch of birdies at the end, like he did at uh, at the players a couple years ago, then great. But if it if he make hits a bad shot, like that, yeah, that's it. We'll yeah, <clears throat> he is pretty mellow. Um, I would be remiss to not mention an OSU grad Peter Uline uh, knocking Rory into the dirt yesterday. Yeah, he was like six up through six or whatever it was. Yeah, beat him two and one. Good for so, him. Big Brad win. Fax, Brad Faxon apparently doesn't travel to Austin, Texas these days. Well, yeah, I would. He's probably either. not allowed in the state of Texas. That treasonous. <laughs> you know what? I would like to remind you that uh, the match play is just whatever. Like anybody can beat anybody. Charles Howe the Third beat uh, Tiger a couple years ago in the first round. It, it's he beat, he just, beat Phil yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Like it. It just is. You know, how cool would a would a uh, Oklahoma State uh, championship be between Peter Yuan and Charles Howe? Be awesome. Friend of the pod, Charles Howe. That'd be. We need to have Peter Yuan on. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, okay, we need to wrap this up. Uh, we got our Rory talk in. We got our Oklahoma State basketball talk in. What are you doing this weekend? Uh, just working, watching the NCAA. I'm, I'm pulling for West Virginia. They're they're so much fun to watch, and I've always liked Huggy Bear. So I'll be I'll be pulling for them. Uh, I had my entire Elite Eight intact, but Michigan State and Carolina was my national title game. So mm. I haven't even looked at my bracket since they were knocked out. Not good. No. Yeah, tournament this weekend. Masters is uh, around the corner. Spring football starts next week for Oklahoma State. So, all right, should be should be a lot of fun. We'll have uh, some guys covering that, uh, photos and videos and articles and uh, all the good stuff. So, we will talk to you next week, Carson. Let's work. See ya. <laughs>